To get rid of those pesky ads, request stories, listen to unlisted and bonus episodes, and to chat with the gang, support us by clicking the description link. I feel really good today, and I'll tell you why. Because everyone who is a Supremo or a supporter whatever that we had to send out stuff for, they're all on their way out. Yay! That's right. All the Ed Gein comic books are on their way out. We still got like maybe 12 more. So if you want them, send John a message on Discord. He is taking over. I am taking over. The swag sending. I am fully taking over. This is the Talk Murder Me podcast. It's a beautiful Saturday here in Charleston, South Carolina. I'm sitting here with Jen. Or what used to be Jen. She's lost a lot of weight. And Nicole. And this is a really lovely day. I have two great stories for you guys. Both of them are extremely interesting. And I don't think you've heard them anywhere before. But anyway, you can find our podcast on any podcasting app. And we live stream every Saturday at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, which is right here. Subscribe and enjoy. Yeah. Also, our sister podcast, Among the Dirt and Trees. Brianne, she's a wonderful host and a great writer. Also, if you guys are wondering about the website, we were paying it way too much for the website. So I basically switched it over and that's why it's kind of in this construction phase right now. But by the time that this comes out on Tuesday, if you are a supporter of us, you will be able to see all the evidence photos and the blog post by logging in with your Patreon email address. And and that and the website's just going to be for you guys. Boom. Hmm. So it's a nice perk. And y'all can comment on that there. That is awesome. Comment on there and yada, yada. If you want to support us, we do, we're do. we doing two episodes today. One right after this. It's going to be for our Talco Supremos. That's our top tier. You can go to patreon.com slash talkmurder to do those. We have a couple of... Uh, of good promotions going on right now. We have, we still have some Ed Gein comic books that uh, we're sending out. Those are really cool. I've sent out like 10 today because we did Ed, Ed Gein last month. And we also have the crime photos, which I sent out a bunch of crime photos. These are rare photos, press photos from the 70s and 80s. Some of them have double homicide murders in them. Some of them have the suspects getting arrested, uh, looking for bodies. I know a lot of you guys have got them so far. They're really cool and really unique. So if you want those, uh, head on over to Patreon supporters. That's all I got. Boom. Wow. Boom. Okay. So we've got two new joiners uh, since uh, since then. Tasha and Jasmine. Welcome. Jasmine. Jasmine, I already saw Jasmine on the Discord. Yeah. Welcome, guys. Jasmine and Tasha. T-A-W-S-H-A. Tasha. Correct. Yes. Jasmine, J-A-Z. Yeah. Yes. M-I-N? No. M-Y-N? No, M-Y-N-E, I think. M-Y-N-E. I don't know about that. Well, we've got a, a dedication to do. Oh, boy. As per usual. Uh, this one is for Tim. 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 Patreon Taco Supremo Tim. Tim. This is not a specific request that Tim had. So uh This is not I, not the tool man. No. Surprise shots. Surprise shots. We don't know what they are cuz they're a surprise. All right, Tim, let's see what you got. Is this something he requested? No, she I just, just said, said that. this. Maybe if you put your listening ears on when the women talk, you'd be better off. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers. Ugh. Right. Was it butterscotch? You want to take a guess? It was like I felt I had. It's got a coffee. Did you put coffee syrup in it? It's got coffee in it. Something coffee. It was Kahlua and the salted caramel crown. Oh, like a caramel latte. You guys probably have not heard this story. 
and it's insane. I'm going to tell you this story is insane. You guys are going to love it. Insane the membrane. And for our next story, we are covering a serial killer called El Patiso Orejudo. Uh, that's probably not right. Something about the eyes. <laughs> O-R-E judo or judo. I, I'm not a Spanish guy. But, hudo, hudo. So if you guys want to take a guess of what that is and don't spoil it if, uh, if you know it, but that is from... One I've never heard for. I don't even know how you guys found this freaking case. Literally. <laughs> it's, it's crazy. You guys are going to love it. We're going to Poughkeepsie. Poughkeepsie. Oh, man. That word again. Poughkeepsie. <laughs> <laughs> You're adding an extra K. What? Poughkeepsie. Poughkeepsie. What the no, fuck? Poughkeepsie. Y'all messed me up now. I had no, it. No, you messed yourself up. All right. Tonight, we're, where is it at? What state? New York. New York. Tonight, we're going to Poughkeepsie, New York. We're just going to have to live with it. Yep. Yep. <laughs> All right, so tonight we are going to Poughkeepsie. Yeah, you did it. Key, New York. Nope. <laughs> We're going right here. And anyone want to take a guess if you guys know this address? The house is still there, so let's zoom in. It does seem kind of a lower part, not lower part, a... Uh, not a rich part of town, it seems. I mean, it's cute. It's cute. like a little, it kind of reminds me of the back streets back home. Yeah, but I was reading this area is really not uh, affluent, upper class. Like this house right now is worth under 200000 Wow, that's Th this is the house. This is the house that we're going to for this murder tonight. Okay. So, Well, maybe that's why it's not worth it. Yeah. <laughs> this is <laughs> also <laughs> true. Another thing I want you to see right quick is these houses have these little alleyways. Yep. That you like can back back driveways. Yeah. Yes. Yes. But you can a lot of people cut through. This is right by a school. You saw you literally saw the school bus. Uh -huh. Yeah. The elementary school is right here. Okay? Yeah. So and we'll come back to this. But so you see how close it is because this is important too. you see how if a kid's walking, they'll just cut through this. And that happened a lot here. And, the, and it's really important. Why I'm telling you guys that. So I'm not just talking to hear my own voice. Tonight, we're going to August. August 20th, 1979. And that house that I just showed you is 216 South Grand Avenue. This story is about a, a man named Albert Fentress. Fentress, F-E-N-T-R-E-S-S, Fentress. He is a local history teacher at Poughkeepsie Middle School. Okay, proud of you. <laughs> Nailed it. And if you go back to the Google Earth, all the both of the schools are pretty close. August 20th, 1979, it's a Sunday and it's the wee hours. It is 2.13 a.m. Mm. Albert Fentress, a local history teacher, calls his, his good friend. The friend's name is Wallace Schwartz. Calls him on the phone. The guy is sleeping, obviously. It's 2.13. It's a Sunday. Wallace Schwartz, the guy he calls is his friend but not only that he is a an attorney a real estate attorney and he's got work as well but he is his sleep is interrupted at 2:13 with a phone call and the first thing Albert says to him his lifelong friend is I'm going to kill myself oh okay. so now this is a a middle school teacher a very good middle school teacher no problems nothing whatsoever so Schwartz was immediately skeptical because not skeptical but he he knew he was got to be overreacting like what for you have a great life mm -hmm. all right anyway and he's still trying to wake up too he spoke in a quote low monotone monotone what the monotone <laughs> <laughs> hey real quick. John, can you say hi to Shram's mom? She thinks you're really cool. Go ahead. <laughs> say hi. Hey, Miss Shram. <laughs> <laughs> Mrs. Mrs. Shram. Is, is her hair also blue? I don't know. It's genetic. Genetic. <laughs> <laughs> 
Hey, Mrs. Stram, thank you so much for joining us. I don't know why you were talked into this. This is <laughs> not what you think it is. <laughs> uh, anyway. Yeah, so that means you have to be on your best behavior today. Yeah. Albert Fentress. That's a challenge now for him. Yeah, you know I know what, it is. You know what's funny is that, not funny, but like our moms have both been sitting mm-hmm. in our recording sessions and mm-hmm. now Shram's mom, but like, where's Viv? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> My mom listens to True Crime Garage. <laughs> <laughs> she always tells me about it oh so i was listening to true crime garage and they were doing this story about the west memphis three and i'm like oh my god <laughs> we have a podcast <laughs> you're like thanks thanks mom like you know we're on episode 370 something right she this is 380 isn't it yeah holy shit yeah you're right she listened to our first episode oh anyway <laughs> that, that explains it understandable she stopped <laughs> yeah so albert fentress i'm gonna kill myself now this guy talked in a low monotone voice he was quote very distraught but coherent he said that because schwartz is like what are you talking about man are you drunk fentress is known to drink wine and eat eat exquisitely mm. which is weird because he's a middle school teacher right not well, weird I mean, like, if well, New York educators aren't paid that bad. Oh, okay. I mean, it's still not as much as, like, a doctor, but yeah. it's not a bad career up in New York. But maybe the pay gap wasn't as big as it is now, because this is 1979. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. When, like, teachers were respected. So he says, you're overreacting. What's going on? You know, Albert says, I did a terrible thing tonight, and I cannot quote, square with God, end quote. So for that reason, I'm going to kill myself. He says he's killed somebody tonight. Oh. A teenager. One of his students? But he can't remember any of the details. He just knows that there's a man dead in his basement. That's all he knows. We're going to be reading from a lot of sources tonight. The affidavit, the arrest report, a weird appeal that I'm going to talk about later, and also a book, which I cannot mention right now because it will give away the story, but I will mention it. So that's what Nicole's going to be reading from tonight. Who's the author of the book? You don't have to say it right now. I was just saying, if you were giving your sources now, I was going to say, you can just say a book by blah, 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 blah. I don't think it is a true crime author. I mean, I guess it is, but he's not known. I don't think... He told me he was going to kill himself. He said he had killed somebody. There had been some drinking and he killed somebody. I said it must have been an accident and he'd have to call the police. He said, no, it wasn't anything like that, the attorney said. He said it would be difficult to square that with God. I asked again if there was a burglary or an accident. Al mentioned to me there had been a sex crime act. He mentioned to me there was a mutilated body. He said he was a very sick person and he was not the person I knew. Hmm. Swartz, his friend, says, all right, you need to call the police. And Al says, no, I can't call the police because I'm not square with God. Please call the rabbi. Now, Albert Fentress is not Jewish. But Schwartz is. Schwartz is. However, Schwartz doesn't have the direct line to God. (laughs) Rabbi. What's the rabbi? A rabbi is like a priest. (laughs) Like the equivalent of a priest. Okay. So Schwartz doesn't have the direct line to the rabbi. But... Swartz's mother does. Enid. So Swartz. Now, now, just to get everyone on the same page, Albert Fentress calls his friend, this guy named Schwartz, right. on the phone, 213, says he's going to kill himself. He says, 
Call the police. Al says, no, I, I can't call the police. I'm not square with God. I need a rabbi. Swartz, being Jewish, calls his mother, which has the direct line to the rabbi rabbi's phone. Right. Okay. okay. That's where we are so far. Okay. All right. He says, I'm very sick. And it was no accident. I'm very sick. You wouldn't even recognize me. He calls his mother. The mother also is really good friends with Albert Fentress. They're all a good family of friends here. Mm -hmm. And the mother... Says she will call the rabbi, but she needs to call Al first to make sure that this is valid. Because waking up the rabbi at 2.13, you know. so She don't want to be on God's shit list either. The reason... The reason I haven't moved on from all of the like phone calls, phone calls, who cares? There's a really big part of this case. The legality here, if you and we'll talk about it later, but this case almost got thrown out because of what I'm talking about now. If you want to hmm. if you want to try to guess why or think about it and we'll talk about it later. Can I guess? That's why. Uh not now cuz I want people to oh. think about it. But very important, all these phone calls. Anyway, so at 2.45 a.m., Enid Schwartz's mother calls Albert and she says, okay, yes, I need to call the rabbi. So right now, the rabbi is coming. They also called the police. And now Schwartz is also coming to the house, to that Poughkeepsie house at 3 a.m. in the morning. The cop shows up and... This is the conversation as it happened. Mr. Fentress, do you have a gun? He asked. I do. Where is it? It's on my knee. Throw the gun down, the cop commanded. But Fentress refused. No, you take it, he replied. It's on my knee. It's simple. Please just take it. So he wouldn't give, he wouldn't throw the gun, but he wanted the cop to take the gun. Yeah, which but, is which is weird. Very. Very weird. And it also puts the police in a very dangerous position. Yes. Well, yeah, maybe he didn't trust himself to like handle the gun because maybe if he thought he handled the gun, then he would automatically put it to his head and shoot himself. So he didn't want it, but he, it was already on his knee. I don't know. I, it's still weird. I'm just trying to, yeah. I'm just trying to think it through. Well, well, here's what happened. The police being really quick to think of what to do, even though he has never dealt with this before in his life. He's got to get that gun. Right. He's got to put this suspect. He's got to disarm him. That's the first thing police got to do. He says, OK, Albert, put both hands on your face. So Albert covers his face and then the cop rushes over, grabs the gun. Situation Situation is calm. There were three arresting officers. However, the, the detective that gets there, and his name is Weatherwax. We're going to be reading some from him. Okay. He was a police officer that arrived, and his son is actually the assistant district attorney who took over this case. But Weatherwax, the cop that arrives, actually took history from the guy he's arresting. Ah. Well, small, so small town, everybody, like, this guy's been teaching for a super long time, I take it. Uh, I mean, no, excuse me, I'm sorry. Weatherwax's son, who the became, DA. yeah, the, who became the assistant DA, okay. Took, okay. took the class. Got it. Yeah, but. But he knew But he, he knew the teacher, that, right. that's correct. Yeah, thanks for the, thanks to, he's only been teaching for 10 years. I'll get to I that. I mean, that's still <clears throat> a good amount of time. Yeah. I shot someone. He's in the basement. Now, one of the officers go downstairs and they confirm there's someone there's someone down here. Crouching down for a closer look, the detective noticed two bullet wounds on the right side of the teen's head. He noticed that he was wearing a white T-shirt and jeans. 
The T-shirt covered his torso, but the jeans and underpants were down around his ankles. Witherwax, the police officer that got there, quote, he, well, he told his son later about this case that, quote, he'd been a police officer for 18 years, and this was the first case I'd ever heard him become emotional about, says his son. As he was telling me the details that we'd never discussed before, I couldn't tell if he was crying or not. I remember he had to stop talking a few times. Hmm. This is a history teacher. Yeah. And, and the best history teacher in the state. And I'm going to tell you why here in a second. But, and shout out to Gene, one of our friends and supporters. He's also a history teacher. He is. And he would like this story. You have to tell him about this story. I will. But, I mean, a history teacher sh- shoots a boy. It you makes know- me think that there was, like, uh, sexual abuse going on. He was a student or something. That's what a lot of people thought. The teenager involved, his name was Paul Masters. He was the deceased, the, the decedent. Didn't go to that school. Didn't know that man mm. at all. Local history teacher, Poughkeepsie Middle School for 10 years. And he was a favorite. He was born in Brooklyn, New York, and he moved. He actually moved from Venezuela. His Mm. father was an engineer. Very smart family. This is this is a family that cared more about intelligence than anything else. So music at an early age. He took drama. He took art. And it was only natural for him to become a history teacher because he was so good at it because his father drilled it into him, basically. Mm. He also liked the finer things. But for instance, he's a history teacher. He drives a brand new cream colored Cadillac to school. He wears a Brooks Brothers suit, three piece suit, and he he wears a Rolex. So is he a drug dealer on the side? (laughs) I mean, That's a legitimate no, question. No, that no, is a good, like, good theory. That is a good theory. Well, was he just in massive debt? Like, no, was he just a he, he wasn't spender? In, he, he wasn't in massive debt. Poughkeepsie Assistant Superintendent of Schools Ronald Valenti praised the teacher, telling the journal that Fentress, quote, had an outstanding record in the district and has received several letters of commendation on his performance and involvement. Dr. Valenti added that he was completely shocked by the arrest. Wayne Witherwax, the detective's son, he would later say he was a, quote, very good teacher, engaging, entertaining, and brought the history class to life. So as a history teacher, you know, when he's doing Napoleon, which I know nothing about Napoleon, I guess he was a killer of sorts. But He, he was would, an emperor. An emperor. He Napoleon would dress. Napoleon Bonaparte. He was like this tall. He was French. He wore a big hat to make him look taller. Okay. There's so, like Neapolitan ice cream. Napoleon complex, which Hubble has. All right. So <laughs> I thought you were going to say which Jeff Bezos has. <laughs> I don't know. Is Jeff Bezos short? I, I don't know, but he's got a $500 million yacht. Which I mean, I'm he, jealous. No, oh my not, gosh. Didn't that thing, didn't they have to, there was an issue with his yacht, wasn't there? Yeah, they were trying yeah. to like have, get them to like move the London Bridge or something <laughs> yes, like yes. that. Like that to move it out. And they're like, uh, no. <laughs> Can you imagine if, <laughs> oh, we have this uh, podcast and we want you to move the London Bridge for us? No. It's called Yacht Murder to Me. All right. So, still a dream. The, One day it'll be attainable. He brought the history class to life. This guy, and we're going to get more into the killing here in a second. Don't you guys worry, but I want. It's very important for this story to know why this guy did what he did. It is extremely important. That's why we got to talk about this. All right. I know it's boring. It ain't nothing to do with killing and stuff, but there is. Go on, talk murder to me. There is a reason this guy did such an atrocious act, which we hadn't even talked about yet. There's going to be things Jen reads tonight, which is just. 
appalling. Oh, that's but, the only reading assignment I get is if it is like trash. But the things, those things happen because of the personality of this guy. In class, he would wear these Napoleonic costumes and he would reenact the wars. And he even wore a Ku Klux Klan outfit to show that the students. And no, this was the 70s. I guess you could get away with it. I mean, <laughs> I mean like. But he, he. But like if that was part of his lesson planning from the time he started to teach history. No, it wasn't the 70s because you said he was teaching for 10 years. It ain't 2022 where everyone's offended by everything. He wore the the Ku Klux Klan outfit to to instill fear and terror into the kids. I mean, it was a is a uh, like he showed up to class in it. Yeah, or, he's teaching the lesson plan. Like the, he would it. reenact as the characters. So, so he would like put a cross in the middle of the classroom and burn it. Yes, Jen. He like for instance the Civil War. He brought his a musket in. You know, start shooting the students. You know, so stuff like that. And also, is it just me? Is I I always thought it was the Ku Klux Klan. It's the Ku Klux Klan. Correct. I thought I'm missing an L somewhere. Yeah, I and first time <laughs> right? in my life, I think I've actually agreed with you on a spelling issue. Right? I thought it was Ku Klux Klan. That's what I thought it was. But it's Ku Klux Klan. <laughs> well, that just sounds stupid. I know. It all is stupid. But, you well, know. yeah, it's terrible. It's a terrible, terrible organization. But now that I know that's what their name actually is, who would want to join that? Albert Fentress looked more like a corporate CEO than an under, underpaid teacher. Brooks Brothers three-piece suit Rolex when he wasn't dressing in character. Well, now, maybe he was dressing in character as someone who actually makes money. He was also a tyrant of a teacher. Eyes forward. Jen, get off your phone. Feet on the ground forward. No chewing gum, you know? Authoritarian. Authoritarian. Now, so his advanced students loved his teaching style. He was engaging. He was reenacting everything. They loved him. But the, the other people, the kids that just had to take history, they they thought he was kind of a, a dweeb, right? And here's where we're going with this. And I didn't, I never thought this could happen. I don't remember a teacher that has went through anything like this, to my knowledge, but he was bullied as a teacher. The kids, they thought it was stupid that he would wear these costumes. It's history. And then why are you wearing this nice watch and well you don't have a wife are you gay because remember this is the time where oh you you ain't gay if you gay you better be quiet type of thing well i mean it's like still kind of like that but a lot better than it was yeah but back then you know albert fentress as a teacher as a, a very good and engaging teacher with high marks was bullied by his students. And this is crazy because I'd never thought and bullying is terrible. It is it's terrible. Like we've done we've done stories where bullying and, and I get I get it. It's like it's almost inherited in our evolution mm. because, you know, we we're pack kind of animals. You know, we were social animals. So if someone's an outcast or something, you you shun them or you get them away or something like that. I get it. It's like ingrained in our DNA. But at the same time, we've done a lot of stories, which horrible cases of bullying, you know, lives lost, suicides, horrible suicides, stuff like that. But for a teacher, you know, almost a 40 year old teacher to be bullied. I never heard of that. But I mean, I get it. He wasn't just bullied by the students either. He was also bullied by the staff. Mm. But the students really took it to another level. Albert Fentress at his home was a culinary artist. He loved he loved cooking the lamb and all the the uh, portobellos and all that stuff. And with the He's wine, just like throwing out fancy words. Yeah. He he was also a stamp collector. Beef born young, a stamp collector. It, that's an intellectual hobby, right? 
He was very stylish, very educated, and the students bullied him. They would make fun of him in the open. They started rumors that he was gay. They would get magazine subscriptions to like uh, Playgirl, which is the guy version, right? They would get gay magazines and send them to his neighbor's home, which is even worse. They would put his name on them, send them to his neighbors. I mean, that's horrible. Yeah, Yeah, that's pretty shitty. They at one point used weed killer, and y'all saw the home on the front lawn, used weed killer spelled out fairy in capital letters, fairy. They vandalized his beautiful Cadillac. They broken into his home. They they destroyed his home inside. They stole his stamp collection, threw it all around and tore it up. That's terrible. These That's are like- students. They also started a rumor that he was a, a pedophile. So at this point, they're, the students are becoming dangerous. Mm-hmm. They're, they're actually threatening his life. They're breaking into his home. They're, you know, what do you do at that point? This is a teacher, a 40-year-old teacher. What do you do? You know what I'm saying? He bought a gun. 38 caliber. I mean, at the end of the day, though, they're they're kids, though. And so. But that, that feels kid like a- in his that kid in his basement didn't know who he was. We're going to talk about it. that kid. Didn't he went to a different school? Didn't know. him. Let's go back to the house. Let's go back a couple hours before the house. The call came in at 2.13 to the attorney. We're about at 1130, 12 o'clock at night. There was there was a a fight that was supposed to happen that night. We used to have these in high school, too. Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah? Why don't you meet me at the ballpark? 345. Well, I, I got band practice. <laughs> <laughs> that was your response. <laughs> <laughs> um, can, can we do, um, let's see, next Thursday? Oh, no, that's, um, I got that uh, jazz rehearsal. Um, <laughs> all right. <laughs> The night, the night of this kid's horrible murder, the Spacken, Spacken Kill High School, it's not Spacken Hill, Spacken Kill High School football team and the Poughkeepsie, yay! And the Poughkeepsie football high school team. Now you're just doing it on purpose. And the Poughkeepsie football high school team were feuding. This was a long time feud. Rivals. No, no, not rivals. The Poughkeepsie player, the star quarterback, said something about the Spacking Kills defensive line player's girlfriend. Uh oh. I couldn't find out what word was used, but she was insulted. Probably the B word. Hey, she's a bitch. Uh uh-uh. uh. Two different schools, football team fighting. They tried to fight the week before this, but the cops got wind of it. An anonymous call. Hey, these two football teams are going to meet up and fight. Now, these are high school football teams, right? So they're trying to settle their beef, squash their beef. They were supposed to meet tonight, August 20th, 1979, at the Krieger Elementary School. And if we go back to the Google Earth real quick, you see this is his house, mm-hmm. Krieger Elementary School. Mm. This is where they were supposed to meet. Okay. And they were supposed to fight it out. However, the popo comes on, the cops show up, and they all scatter. All these kids scatter. At the same time, you have old Albert in his house with the, the word fairy still burned in his lawn. Drink, he's drinking wine. He's holding his revolver. He is just so effing pissed. They ruined his life already. And he would tell everyone, I'm not even gay. Like he was engaged at one point. Okay. But he's sitting there stewing and he hears something outside. Oh, those fucking kids. Those kids are back in their dirt. This is it. He tucks that 38 caliber revolver in his sweatpants and he walks outside. Hey, what? You, 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 you come here. What are you doing? 18 year old Paul Masters. So he was just walking by. Paul Masters was supposed to be 
on his way to the fight. On the way to the fight. He was supposed to be a spectator, but that guy was participating. Come on, you got to be kidding me. Even if he was going to fight, he, he had no idea who this guy was, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He is a strapping, six-foot-tall football player, supposedly extremely handsome. He is outside. He is walking through that cutaway. Remember the alley? Yeah. Mm-hmm. He is simply walking back to his house, and he chose to cut through there because this is a six-mile walk back to his house because he doesn't even go to Poughkeepsie school. You know, he goes to Spack and Kill school. So he walks through that alley. He has no idea who this is. He just knows there's an adult saying, hey, you come here right now, and it's midnight. This guy could be a cop for all he knew. I mean, the the cops were just chasing him. You know, maybe he got caught. He wasn't going to run, which he probably should have, you know, hindsight. At the time of this... Fentress was, quote, greatly bothered by acts of vandalism and harassment allegedly done by students. So he is in his own world. He is just pissed. He eventually finds out that this guy, Paul Masters, had nothing to do. He didn't even know this kid. This kid didn't know him whatsoever. So he says, hey, come on in. Come on in. I'll give you a ride home. That's what Albert says. Either that or you want to walk six miles back to your own house. Okay, yeah. Comes in. Hey, do you want a drink? Albert even checks his ID. Make sure he's old enough, which was 18 at the time. Huh, okay. Are you old enough to drink? Yeah. They drink vodka together. And and we're going to move right into this. Okay. <clears throat> Once they were indoors, the teacher was able to get his first good look at Paul. He liked what he saw. A muscular teen with flawless skin, high cheekbones, bright blue eyes, and a thick brown hair fashionably cut in the style of the day. He was manly, but still boyish. And Al Fentress was very fond of boys. Now, we've covered a lot of cases like this. Jeffrey Dahmer being one. Oh, I'm not gay. I'm not a homosexual, right? A lot of these killers are not homosexual from what they'll say. Mm-hmm. It's repressed. They grew up religious or whatever the case is. They believe that they're not, but it's not like you can not, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like you either like men or you like women. As simple as that. You could like both. Yeah. I, I get it, but if for Albert Fentress, who is obviously gay, but everyone else knows it but him, mm. he's straight from what he... In his own mind. So let's add that into the mixture. The vandalism, all that stuff's got him all worked up. And now what? This this boy comes into his house and he's making Albert have these weird feelings. I don't like this. I don't... I'm not gay. But he's so handsome that it's, it's driving him crazy, right? Because he thinks he's not gay. But he is. This is what he says, Albert Fentress. Quote, it dawned on me I was serving him alcohol. It would have been horrendous if I was serving somebody underage. So he checks his his ID. They drank vodka. They had snacks. And eventually he said, okay, I'll take you home. But first, can you do one thing for me? I have all this plywood down in the basement. Or actually says, I have all this plywood. Can you help me move this plywood? Okay. It's down in the basement. You never want to go down into the basement. (laughs) We've... We've already established that. (laughs) Do not go into the basement. He probably shouldn't have gone into this guy's house to begin with, honestly. He didn't want to walk six miles, though, too, you know? Yeah. Yeah, but if you're offering him a ride, just get in the car. Exactly. And also, all right, Fentress is, I mean, you got a, a football player, six foot, muscular, Unless he's got a gun, he ain't going to be able to do anything. Oh, wait, he does have a gun, right? They go down to the basement and this boy, Paul Masters, is moving this plywood 
and you know from one side to the next and all of a sudden albert pulls that revolver out of his pants points it right at his face Paul Master still has his plywood in his hand, and he sees that gun barrel right in his face, right in his eyes. Shocked. He's also been drinking vodka, a couple glasses. So his reaction time, a little sluggish. It's like Jen's reaction time all the time. It's like Jen's time. <laughs> Jen's time. <laughs> Honestly, it's probably more like my time. I have terrible, terrible reflexes. Hey, where's my beer? How did you give me this beer? I wanted that beer. It's behind you. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you bee. No, you. she gave it to you. You, you tricked put it me. There. It's literally been there. The you ent- tricked me. I did not trick you. The trickster. She is a trickster. You put it there. I handed that to you. Yeah, what? He just what, uh, what? 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 Uh, Greek mythology or Viking mythology is also known as the trickster. Loki. Fucking. <sighs> how the fuck do you know that? Because I know I'm smart. Also, I have quick reaction time. Thank you very much. I don't. That's why I never played sports. <laughs> All right. Oh, that's why. Not because you're a big old puss. I'm just kidding. Uh oh. <laughs> Just right. I'm gonna fire John <laughs> today. Can I like, make a weekly reminder that this is your wife that you're talking to? <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, I don't think anyone's watching this anymore anyway. All right. <laughs> Martin says your reaction time is slow, John. <laughs> Albert's got this revolver pointed right at the boy's face. He takes some rope and he says, I want you to walk over to that that post, wooden wooden post. Why are you doing this? What do you want? Quote, what the teacher wanted most was Paul's penis, and he wanted it in his mouth. That was supposed to be what Jen read, but I didn't send it. So. <laughs> <laughs> Excited, Fentress undid the young man's jeans and let them drop to the floor. Then he pulled Master's underpants down to his ankles. With his own organs swelling with desire, Fentress moved in. He opened his mouth and he took the teen's penis into it. He expected it to become hard, desperately wanted it to become hard, but no matter what he did, licked it, swirled it, or sucked it, the penis didn't swell. There is a movie oh. out there. There was a scene in the movie that this happened sort of the way this happened. A young man is tied to a tree and... <laughs> I did rewatch the movie and this, unless it's like an uncut version, the scene doesn't exactly play out like this, but the very important part in this case, extremely important, is Fentress had watched this movie two days before. Not only did he watch this movie, but he also wrote his own scripts. He he was so disturbed by this movie that came out in 1972 that has two very famous actors in it and was known as the most thrilling movie produced of all time, yet it shocked audiences. It was the first time that a male has ever been sexually assaulted on a movie. And if you get this right... I mean, that's definitely worth two trivia points. Three three points. Wow, three points. So, there's a movie, 1972. He watched it two days before it came on HBO. He watched it. It is a very well-known movie. And he was so disturbed and moved. Because why? Well, the same reason he looked at Paul Masters, that nice physique with the chest and the shoulders and the football player. I don't like this. Like, why am I getting... What's going on down there? Like, I like women. I like... No, women. Boobs. 
You know what I'm saying? Same thing. To him, it's surreal because he is not gay from what he thinks. Okay? There's nothing wrong with that. You guys understand that. But when when it's repressed, those emotions, it's almost like you're you you're ashamed, right? There's no way I'm no. I like women. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. It's very emotionally disturbing. And when he saw this movie for the first time two days ago, he was very emotionally disturbed. So much so that he wrote his own scripts and they all played out differently. But however, here's the thing. As Nicole read, he expected it to become hard, desperately wanted it to become hard. But no matter what he did, licked it, swirled it or sucked it, the penis did not swell. In his scripts, the penis did. What's wrong here? He is orally assaulting this young teenager and this teenager is not getting aroused. That also is a huge blow to his emotions. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Jen, do you want to take a guess what movie it is? Nope, don't know. This is instantly recognizable, Jen. <laughs> <laughs> the deliverance, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's Jen's ringtone. <laughs> Even if they've not seen the movie, you know. It's actually a really good song. We watched this movie last night. And I was like, why do you want to watch this movie? And you're like, I don't know. I just, it's such a great movie. Well, there you have it. I've never seen it. Is it not? Really? Is it not an excellent movie? Yeah, it is. It is an excellent movie. And it's so disturbing. But I rewatched it because I didn't think that the scene had anything to do with this. And yes, the man was tied to a tree. The movie is Deliverance, by the way. 1972 Burt Reynolds and John Voight. Burt Reynolds would later say that this was the best movie he's ever made. And I agree. And that's saying a lot because he's a fantastic actor. Was. Mm-hmm. I was. You know what I'm saying? But that it was the first movie to to showcase assault to a male, sexual assault, and it was brutal. Squeal like a pig boy. Can you stop? <laughs> stop. Nobody needs to see you, you trying look, to act that out. You look like a hog. You got a pretty mouth. <laughs> Stop. This is like my family members we talk about. Stop. <laughs> Down here in Georgia. <laughs> Two nights before the murder, Albert Fentress watched the movie for the first time, Deliverance, and it did what it did to a lot of people. It made them really uncomfortable, and it made them not want to go in the woods, number one, anymore, but, <laughs> yeah. but also it made them really squeamish and think about the male sexual assault. And for Albert Fentress, it made him really uncomfortable because in his mind, he was not gay, and he enjoyed kind of what he saw, you know what I'm saying? So in a frenzy, he started to write his own scripts. They're all ending different, but they all ended with... The, the male getting tied to the post downstairs in the basement and getting having sex uh, fellatio and becoming erect. And that did not happen. From what he would say, if you guys want to believe this or not, that right there put him in a psychotic frenzy. If you want to believe that, that's what his attorneys are going with. That the movie put him into a psychotic frenzy. Yes. Two nights before, he watches the movie Deliverance. So now he's in this emotional state from this vandalism and everything else. And he sees this teen and then these emotions of, oh, my God, I I like this, what I'm looking at, but I don't know why. Plus Deliverance, the scripts he's written, put him in this, whatever, whatever the, the actual thing was. He is in a psychotic frenzy. And when you're in a when you're in a state of psychosis, 
you really don't know or can control what you're doing. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now it's up to you to judge if he was or not. Let's go back to the basement. They're in the basement. He just watched Deliverance two nights before. Paul Masters is now tied to this post. He goes down, undoes his pants, pulls down his pants, and he performs the sexual act on this boy's penis. It does not get erect. He loses it or whatever you want to say right there. And he he walks away. Moments later, he comes back and he has something in his hand. But Paul Masters at this point cannot see it. He just wants to get out of there. Remember, his legs and his arms are tied behind his back to the post. He orders the, the boy to spread his legs apart. Albert then lifts up Paul Masters' scrotum, his scrotal sack, and he reveals what he just got from the kitchen, which was a, a razor, a shaving razor, a straight razor, not a box cutter, but actual razor that he used for shaving and is not sharp. It is, it's the razors that you kind of hold and then you may cut yourself because there's no really support. Mm-hmm. So using this little dinky razor, he lifts the scrotum sack up with his left hand and he puts that razor under there and he starts the saw. Now this razor. Oh my God. Now this is before, this is before the gunshots or anything. This boy is very much alive and he is now screaming. His scr- scrotal is a word. Scrotal? His his scrotum, which is balls, right? Yeah. Okay. Well, it's the casing. I'm still like learning stuff, so I'm still like getting familiar with my own body. <laughs> He's gonna go to the mirror later and be like look at an anatomy book and be like, this huh. is this, this is this. Oh, this is this. Okay. Yeah. He lifts up that sack and he starts sawing with that little razor blade. And he is sawing it in an upward direction. So this is a history teacher, by the way. Don't do this. You don't have to do this, he pleaded. But Fentress was unmoved. He dug the blade deeper into the teen's scrotum, splitting it open. Don't fight. Just make it easier, he told Masters. I can't stop now. Don't you see that? He did stop, however, but only long enough to raise his thirty-eight to the teen's skull and pull the trigger. Master slumped, mortally wounded, but still alive. Now, what I'm going to tell you next, I want you to remember this boy stayed alive for a long time. So when you're in psychosis, I've never been in. Some people think I live in it, but it's just me. When you you can get jerked out of psychosis. One of the things that jerked him out of psychosis is when he heard this teenage boy an hour later. So he lived through all of this. Now he's shot in the head. A look at the teen's pubic area told the detective that something very grotesque and horrific had happened there. Paul's penis was missing. In its place was a gaping wound that was oozing blood. Officers were even detailed to dismantle the plumbing in a futile attempt to locate the penis. They never found the penis. The pathologist said what? The- Go ahead and say it, Jen. I don't like that. <laughs> <laughs> it's like requested. Say it, Jen. I want to I want to sing. I think that's cool. Wait. <laughs> I think you have a couple sayings. You know, like where Wait, are we going who we killing? Get off your phone. Make me a sandwich. Yeah, yeah all the things. <laughs> all right. Poem. Yeah, it's the it's the words that you struggle to say. Those that are, are your catchphrases. Masters accidentally became the character in his writing, said Dr. Arnold Bukov of Poughkeepsie 
a psychiatrist who testified for the defense Friday. Ventress carried out the ritual of the script. Everything seemed to proceed as though it were in the writing. He shoots him once and he's now carving out the testicles. So he he cut everything off then. <clears throat> yep, he cut everything off with a straight razor. So do the, you think the, Wolfie is wanting to know? Um, did he eat it by chance? You said he was a good cook. The autopsy quote found the cause of death instantaneous with two penetrating gunshot wounds of the skull and the traumatic amputation of the penis and scrotal contents. End quote. Scrotal is a word. Nice. All right. <laughs> He shoots this win. he shoots this boy twice. He cuts off everything that makes you a man and Well no, he didn't the, cut out the Adam's apple. <sighs> women don't have Adam's apples. My type of women do. <laughs> <laughs> the oh, Okay. The bloodletting wasn't over. However, Fentress went back to work. He craved the teen's testicles and removed them along with the scrotal sack. Then he went to work trying to cut off his penis. It wasn't easy, and it was messy. With blood spurting from the partially severed organ, he wielded the blade like a saw until it was completely severed. Now he's got the penis and two testicles inside his jean pocket. Now he is still in psychosis. He walks back up the stairs from the basement. Is Shram's mom still in here? (laughs) 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 She's like, this is not what I expected. This is not like snapped or uh, so now that he has both testicles and the penis, he walks back up the garage stairs and he is a great cook. He grabs a kitchen pan, he lets it simmer, and while they simmered in the pan, Fentress brought out a plate from his finest set of china and a setting from his best silverware. And then he sat down and ate the organs. Oh, he did eat it. (laughs) Good call, Wolfie. I think you should give her a point for that. For sure. All right. So obviously the reason I couldn't tell you what this book I wrote, the book I read was (laughs) it would give it away. But so tonight, Nicole read from Death by Cannibal, Minds with an Appetite for Murder by Peter Davison. Includes photos. Fuck, I didn't see any photos. Whoa. Whoa, where's the photos? (laughs) <laughs> Let's see some photo. Oh, there at the back. Oh, there's Fentress right there. Let's see. Um, this is the house. Yeah, that's where he went down. Um, that, oh, that's him right there. That's Paul Masters. Oh, he's a big dude. Line, uh, he uh, is probably a, a tight end or a. Oh God, yeah. he is a big dude. You know, I think if he wasn't drinking that vodka, he, you know. Yeah. But then again, who would have known? You know. Yeah. I mean, this guy was so nice to him earlier. That was pretty much the the worst part. He basically sautés the balls. And we covered a case just like this, the Michigan cannibal. Mm-hmm. He he ate someone by the name of Kevin Bacon. Mm-hmm. That was his name. We've Kevin. covered quite a few. There was the yeah. one in Germany. Yep. Yeah. The one where the guy asked to be. Yeah. For two points, what serial killer did we cover that also used a movie as a defense? They watched a movie, then they did this. I'm not talking about the Bobardella the Collector movie at all because uh, did we ever talk about this the movie Collector has been used in a defense more than any other movie really Bobardella has uh, claimed that he is, in fact his nickname is the Collector we need I've to watch that, movie. that yeah it's about this man that keeps a uh, a woman named Miranda oh Leonard Lake 
that he keeps a, a woman named Miranda in captivity. Mm-hmm. And it's almost, and I've not seen the movie. I've not read the book, but it's almost like you would keep a butterfly in a cage or in a glass yeah. thing or whatever. Uh-huh. And that, mo- that movie right there and our book has influenced a lot of serial killers. In terms of movie, I mean, The Dark Knight was... No, no, that no, that didn't influence him to do it. Someone watched but, a movie and then no, was the Dark Knight was airing when he went there. I know, but wasn't he like the? No, was no. he obsessed with the Joker type thing? No, no I, he dressed no, that to, no, until he, it was they coming just out. Called them the Joker. Like I'm talking about who watched a specific movie, an older movie, and then went out and carried out a crime in Germany. Say y'all don't even listen to the show, do you? It, we do listen, but to keep our sanity, we have to block it out. From all that stuff I gave you, history teacher, never any crime, nothing, mm-hmm. not even a scuff mark on his record. W- what would you do if you're the jury? Now, he wasn't He wasn't tried by a jury. He accepted a, a deal. But, what, what, what would you do? Would you think that he's bullshitting? Oh, he watched Deliverance and did this? He's in psychosis? I mean, I think the psychosis thing is a stretch. I mean, I wouldn't blame it on deliverance i he but he ate the balls and testicles and peanut and not the penis they didn't do that in the movie i know but you're not saying if you're eating someone's balls now i will say this cannibalism is a it's a very old practice and it, it actually is the practice of the victor of a, a battle over their enemies, they would eat the testicles as a as a like a champion's meal. So it's very it goes back a long time, and it is pretty ingrained in human existence. Hmm. Has anyone else mentioned what this guy also sounds like? He he likes the finer things. He drinks wine. He is eating a vampire. He's Hannibal Lecter. Yeah, oh. yeah. In fact, that's one of his nicknames. Chianti, right? Wasn't that yeah. the whole? <laughs> He was a victim of like hate, you know, by other people. So that to say that it was just psychosis is like I don't know if you can say that because maybe he had rage built up inside of him, and maybe that but I don't know. So so with psychosis, it's it's almost like a different person it, that it's so it, sorry. It was it's kind of like how I, I think I've made this argument a couple of times. Like you're not in your right mind, period. If you're gonna kill somebody mm-hmm. and murder someone, so. Anybody could use that defense. Just, yeah. He killed somebody just because he he ate the testicles afterwards doesn't necessarily make him insane. If if you're going to say, like, you're not in your right mind if you're going to murder somebody, period. I mean, and honestly... Yeah, he, but they're not saying he's insane. They're saying he's in psychosis, which means that he didn't... He wasn't... He wouldn't able to control what he was what's doing. What's the difference between being in psychosis and just snapping? Snapping's different. Well... You know, like, when you snap at me sometimes, you still know what you, you're doing. And so... Why do we think he doesn't know what he's doing? Because he's in a different mindset. He's he's in a... Uh... Maybe I'm in a different mindset. Oh, yeah, that's the damn truth. Yeah, maybe I'm, <laughs> Mom, I'm Dad, on stop PMS, fighting. you know what I mean? Like, the, you know, like, whatever. <laughs> I think it's... I kind of think it's an excuse. Okay, all right. Let, I'm going to go through this rather quickly. Also, take a guess why, remember the phone calls? I went through all that bullshit, the phone calls. Mm-hmm. He called his mom and he called the rabbi. Okay, and then I asked you what what was huge in this case that almost made this entire murder indictment thrown out. The judge hearsay. actually, huh? Hearsay. The judge actually wrote a fifty-six page report. The defense attorney said, "Hey, this case needs to be thrown out because of this happened. Anything like the fact that he wanted to call the rabbi? No. All right. Was he- it the fact that the story could have been changed or?" 
or stretched by going to different sources? No, here's the thing. And this was big in this case. I'm going to go over it quickly. Basically, who did he call? His best friend. And? His best friend's mom and the rabbi. What, what does his best friend do? A lawyer. Even though he's a real estate lawyer, the lawyer still broke the client confidentiality privilege that they had by calling the lawyer called his own mother. Mm -hmm. That in itself is breaking the client privilege with that information and the fact that the police has seized evidence like the gun stuff like that without a search warrant after that happened, this case almost got thrown out. And that would oh. have been very disturbing. Yeah. Okay. But there's a 56 page report about if you, if you're into the legalese of that stuff about why it's not basically the fact is w when your client potentiality doesn't matter when your friend's saying he's going to kill himself. And plus he wasn't representing the guy. He was just a real estate lawyer. Right. You know what I'm saying? It's a whole thing. I'm not going to get into it, but hmm. psychology real quick. One psychologist said that he was a, quote, non-entity. No identity, which is why he dressed so lavishly and had expensive things, which were as important to him as the essence of his being. And as long as Mr. Fentress could be an outstanding teacher, an unusually outstanding person, he could function. Dr. John Train Psych, quote, but he was incapable of absorbing stress. It is undermined by the careful constructed image which masked his anxieties and protected himself from his fears. Under stress, Fentress's personality disintegrated into psychosis. His lawyers are saying since he dressed like this, he was he he didn't have his own identity. He that's why he was dressing like this. That's why he was wearing this nice stuff because he didn't know he doesn't have his own identity, which made him extremely unstable when it comes to things like the movie Deliverance and drinking, which he was doing, and the vandalism stuff like that. He's extremely disconnected and unstable with no identity. He doesn't know who he is or how he should act in certain situations, like when you have a teen that you're sexually attracted to. Sitting on your couch, the case almost got thrown out. It did not, though. He was sentenced to 30 days for a psych psychiatric evaluation. And then a judge did find him based on a lot of uh, psychiatrist testimony. They did find him insane. They also put insane and uh, dangerous. He's still in a mental institution. He's been up for, for release multiple times. He is cured However, there is a difference between being cured and being able to fit in with society. If you are deemed dangerous to society, you stay in and there. And he was about to get out in 2019. And then two of his former students, remember, he's a middle school teacher, came forward and they said that they are just coming forward now. But two individual students said that they were uh, sexually molested by him when he was a teacher. Wow. Ventress did not deny that. He just kind of said, all right, well, I'm back in the pen for me. That's where he still is. Wow. So how, he, old, so how old is he now? Uh, 70-ish. Wow. I mean, he's old. But he's still alive. He does come up for release. He is cured from what everyone, from what the psychiatrists are saying. However, there's a difference between that and being dangerous. His former student, the assistant attorney, mm -hmm. I don't know if it's still the case, but he was in charge directly of this case. And he you know, makes sure that 
this guy stays wow. where he is. And, I, you know, it seems like this guy is, I mean, he's, you know, he's content where he's at. It seems like he's content yeah. in the hospital. So, you know. Not I w- really sure I care if he's content or not. He's pro- he's where he should be. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Anyway, that's that story. What do you guys think? You didn't see that coming, did uh-uh. you? I did yeah. not. What inspired you to do this story? Was this a request, did you say, no, or is the next one a request? No, the next one's a request, and the next one's crazy and the next one is in Argentina did anyone guess what that was I don't think anyone put any guesses in there somebody had requested that one on the discord this one I just wanted to find one that uh, had a twist to it the twist being deliverance that movie the other killer that we've covered that also watched the movie was uh, his name was Heinrich Pomerenke and he watched the Ten Commandments oh oh yeah he had actually sat in a theater he watched the Ten Commandments commandments and then he learned the truth about the world which is the reason men do these bad things is not their fault is because women are jezebels are jezebels and they flaunt their boobs around be like you like these boobies and then they do bad things so he goes out and kills a bunch of women and how that one happened that's right but anyway i hope you guys like that people still on here yeah, everyone's a great story. Sable says lots of twists and tur- turns. Uh, so the next one not, is not bad, John. She says <laughs> that's talk murder me. I hope you guys liked it, and we'll be back in what fifteen minutes? Yeah, fifteen minutes with another story for our Supremos that'll be live for you guys. If you're not a Supremo or supporter, times are tough. Do not worry about it. That episode will be out on Wednesday, along with the blog post. If you're a supporter, or whatever, and you can check it out there. So find us on any podcasting app and and that's it. And if you want to support us, patreon.com slash talk murder, we would really appreciate it. So anyway, my name is John. I'm sitting here with Jen and Nicole, and we will be back in 20 minutes. So until next time, good night, you lovely, lovely people.